human beings are more than just our bodies, our feelings, and our thoughts. Each one of us is conditioned by experiences developed in past incarnations by our hereditary state, which is expressed through our DNA, and by our karma. In addition, throughout our current earth life, we are conditioned by our environment, education, life experiences, families and friends, and of course, by the expectations of the society we live in. Hello and welcome, wherever you are in the world. Today we share the introductory presentation to our latest public talk. Every month, we explore a different aspect of the universal wisdom through a series of weekly webinars on Zoom. For more information about our events, follow the links in the written description below. We hope that our podcast will provide you with food for thought, inspiration for new questions, and impulses in your research for new answers. A human being is gifted with a fantastic thinking faculty. And many people are led to believe that by just cultivating their minds, they can achieve soul or spiritual liberation. But the thinking faculty is also filtered by our senses and is therefore subjective and open to manipulation. So perhaps you can see that our minds are conditioned by many different factors and are not truly open to the many currents of subtle energies and spiritual forces that surround us. Our thinking is by no means an autonomously functioning mechanism. If we wish to live a life that is led by our soul, we should aim to break free from the conditioned mind, the mind that constrains us to a purely earthbound existence. If we do not pursue this aim, then we are in constant threat of being manipulated, suppressed, or brainwashed. Yet, René Descartes once arrived at the conclusion, I think, therefore I am. In his time, people still mainly identified with their bodies. Descartes thus demonstrated that he identified himself with his thoughts or his thinking faculty. Is it possible to recognize that there is an identifying capacity within us? We can identify with something within ourselves or with groups of people, beliefs, nations, races, etc. When we take a look at ourselves, we can see that we identify with different aspects at different times with our body, with our feelings with our thoughts, with our position in society, 
with any perceived power we may have, with prosperity, with adversity, or with our search for truth. In the process of liberation from the conditioned mind, this identifying ability is a key factor. We all know the great Egyptian statue of the Sphinx. The Sphinx has the body of a lion and the head of a pharaoh. It is half beast and half human. This division symbolizes our duality as human beings. In our deepest essence, we all possess an immortal divine remnant. However, we also inhabit a temporary mortal earthly body. The great sage Hermes Trismegistus stated, of all created beings, only the human being is jewel, mortal as to the body and immortal as to the essential self. Once we become aware of the twofold nature of our being, then we can seek to identify more and more with the essential element within ourselves. This essential element is called the spirit spark by Rosicrucians and is located in the region of the human heart. When we begin to live from the spirit spark in the heart, the divine nature within us will silently guide our being. Then the animal nature, the lion of the sphinx, which we can refer to as our personality and ego, will subordinate itself and can begin to serve the inner master. To the extent that a new soul consciousness begins to grow in us, the aspects of our former conditioning begin to lose their influence. Our thinking faculty undergoes a purification of sorts. When we identify less with our body, we will start to think differently about things like pain and illness. When we identify less with our social position, we will start to think differently about prosperity and adversity. When we identify more with the spirit spark in the center of our microcosm, the life system that we inhabit, our old mentality will gradually begin to fade and a new thinking will emerge within us. According to many scientists, natural human beings are no more than very intelligent animals. According to the universal teachings, with our natural souls, human consciousness is totally limited by space and time. Yet, as previously mentioned, human beings possess a divine element, a spirit spark, which drives our existence and is the reason we have evolved into the beings that we are today. 
instead of our faculty dominating our consciousness, acting as if it is divorced from our heart, we need to find a balance between our head, heart, and actions. Then we can understand too, as the Sufi mystic Rumi postulates, God sleeps in the rock, dreams in the plant, moves in the animal, but awakens in the human being. You long for unity in a world of duality, for freedom in a world of limitation, and for eternity in a world of temporality. How is that possible? How can we, who are completely made up of the elements of this life field, long for something that absolutely cannot be found here? It is strange that we do not ask this question more often. Why do we persist in longing for unity, freedom, and eternity? when it is clear that these things are not obtainable while we cling to our ego. We persist because there is something deep within us that yearns for these things, not as, a relat not as relative values, but as absolutes. Within each human heart, there is an other one that is marooned and exiled in time and space. It is this other one that longs for a return to the divine kingdom, the realm of absolutes. We hear its faint cry and sense the sincerity of its longing, but because we are bound to the things of the earth, we misinterpret its meaning. Believing that this plaintive cry originates from the personality, we then go forth into this fallen nature order and attempt to find those things which cannot be found here. Needless to say, we meet with naught but imitation, failure, and frustration. If one has truly found and accepted the path, then one should be consumed with joy, not with misery. This joy arises out of the insight that we have gained, the insight that reveals to us that our very core we are eternal beings. There is no death for us. When the fear of death, so-called, evaporates, then we take a huge step on the road to discovering our true purpose for existing. We have removed a large stumbling block from our path. Another important insight is that we should stop seeing ourselves as the center of the universe. When we live from an ego-based consciousness, we are easily displeased whenever we do not get what we want. We call this denial of self-satisfaction unhappiness, when there is actually no such thing as unhappiness. Unhappiness is simply what the human being calls the emotion that we feel when we do not get what we want. In order to do away with unhappiness, we must cease to desire pleasure and satisfaction for ourselves. If these things happen to come our way, fine. If they flee from us, that is also fine. We must learn to look at life with neutral, objective, and somewhat detached eyes. Once we have learned that we live in a fallen nature order, and that every human being's true purpose is to disconnect from this material realm and to return to the immortal divine realm, 
then during our material life here and now, a special type of desiring may develop. After insight comes yearning. If the seeker demonstrates a sincere desire to undertake this liberating task, not just with words, but starting with inner action, tremendous changes will begin to take place within the life system of the seeker. For one thing, the thymus gland, which is situated in the area of the heart and is normally inactive, will begin to excrete a different kind of hormone. That hormone, charged with pure Gnostic vibrations, will travel via the blood to the head, where a new type of thinking will be born. The practical question arises, how can we move from the mortal to the immortal? How can we go beyond the conditioned mind to bring about this transformation, this transfiguration of the material into the spiritual? We know that as we travel through life, we accumulate experiences. Those experiences are reflected back to us in the form of what we generally term karma. As you sow, so shall you reap. This, this accumulated experience also impacts our consciousness and gradually exposes the true reality of the transitory and impermanent nature of our lives. It brings us insight into the effects of the causes that we sow, that is, the consequences that our actions and reactions bring to us when they are driven by the desires of the self. This insight also develops an inner knowledge, an inner awareness of the true nature of the efforts we make to connect to the spiritual. With every failure, with every disappointment, every time our hands come up empty, we approach an impassable border, a ring past knot. Here we confront an invisible vibrational boundary between the perishable and the imperishable. We are confronted with the absolute limits of the self. The pains and suffering of the soul that this realization generates also serves to open the heart. A deep, genuine longing begins to radiate from that which is immortal within us. And in this Gnostic light, we begin to see the full impotence of the self. We begin to see that the efforts the eye makes to attain that which is truly spiritual will never be successful. Our hearts long to cross over this invisible barrier that stands before our consciousness. Driven by this longing, stirred by it, to both understand and walk a path towards its source, we hear the master teachers of all times sounding the words, 
You must practice non-being. You must become empty as to yourself. Those who lose their life shall find it. And in response, because our newfound insight recognizes the truth behind these words, we begin to understand the significance of self-sacrifice, of devotion to others, of unselfish service to the world. And we begin to leave behind the self-focused desires of the I. In this way, we change ourselves from within. We no longer listen to the endlessly whirling thoughts of the conditioned mind, to the voice of the selfish self. Instead, we allow the longing of our hearts to guide us. The mind has shifted its focus. It has abandoned the conditioning that has served only our own blind ignorance. And our consciousness opens itself to new thoughts, new images. Our entire being adopts a new behavior, a new way of living. Thus, the longing of the heart combined with the new focus of the mind and our new behaviors in life can bring a new balance, a new harmony into our threefold life system. We can create the space within us for a new spiritual growth to develop, for the birth of a new soul activity. The new soul, the soul born out of non-being, will undergo true spiritual rebirth. The conditionings of the mortal mind will dissolve and be replaced by a new consciousness. This new consciousness will share the same light of wisdom and knowledge that is a part of our eternal divine inheritance. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed it. If you wish to support us in reaching more people, like our posts, rate us with five stars on iTunes, leave a positive comment where you can, or share our content on your social media.